Um, what would it take for us to walk out this morning believing God for who he says we are? I don't think it's an accident that we sang who you say I am right before we sing this song. And I'll be honest with you, this is not one that um, you hear it on the radio all the time. And it was kind of one that just, I had really honestly, to be perfectly honest, had kind of lost my, uh, it just didn't do anything for me. But it's not about me. And, and I didn't realize how much I needed. This song is for me and I, as much as it is for anybody else. And we need to be reminded of who we are. Um, this devotion I just finished is called Beholding and Becoming the Art of Everyday Worship. And in it, it says, In Christ I am forgiven, Ephesians 1.7, His child, John 1.12, free, Romans 8.2, loved, Colossians 3.12, made new, 2 Corinthians 5.17, joint heir with Christ, Romans 8.17, chosen, Ephesians 1.4, a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3.20, Set apart, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Lacking nothing, Philippians 4.19. What would it take this morning for us to be able to leave here with thankful hearts for who God says we are? The title of the song we're going to sing this morning is You Say. fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough every single lie that tells me I will never measure Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know.
laying it at your feet. You'll have every failure, God. You'll have every victory. getting a, a reboot, a, a fresh start, a reset uh, in our life as we uh, look forward to 2023 and uh, think about how Jesus wants to use us in the coming year. So look, if you will, this morning in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 as we think about uh, the, where we're going to reboot at today. Today we're going to talk about rebooting our brains. If you know somebody needs their brain rebooted, say amen. amen. <laughs> if it's you, say amen. amen. Uh, all right, just if you're honest tonight. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the re renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, if our lives are going to be rebooted, our minds are going to have to be rebooted. Our brains, what, how we think is going to have to be uh, rebooted. I read about a lady who said she was in line at a fast food place this last week or a couple of weeks ago. And she said the, the lady in front of her ordered and her order came to $6.66. And she said, oh no, I don't like that number. Throw in a corn dog. <laughs> and the lady that was writing it said, She's such an inspiration to me. She's out there taking on the powers of Satan, and her weapon of choice is a corn dog. <laughs> so think about that for a minute. I'm going to let you participate just for a second. Those of you watching by Facebook Live, we're glad to have y'all guys. Y'all can participate too. Where do you think she lives? <laughs> All right, on the count of three, holler out where you think this lady who's fighting Satan with a corn dog lives. Ready? One, two, three. 
All right, South Alabama. <laughs> yes, put them together, South Alabama. Um, I read a book a couple of weeks ago this last week by a guy named Robert Reed. It was kind of his autobiography. And Robert Reed wrote, I have everything I need for joy. Now, that's a reboot for a lot of people, right? To think about a different way of thinking. I have everything I need for joy. Let me tell you a little bit about Robert. Robert, um, his hands are twisted and his feet are useless. Uh, he can't bathe himself, he can't feed himself, he can't brush his teeth, can't comb his hair, or put on his underwear. For years, he couldn't put, he couldn't do his, button his shirts up. Later years, when Velcro, he was born around the 1940s, and uh, years later when Velcro came along, some people started sewing his Velcro onto his clothes where he could do, at least do that for himself. You see, Robert has cerebral palsy. When Robert was little growing up, he, he um, they figured out what was wrong with him, um, it's fairly severe. Like I said he can't walk. Um, his speech sounds like a, 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 a tape that's slow and dragging. It's hard to understand his speech. And so his parents were encouraged to put him in an uh, institution because, you know, I mean, people would say, y'all can't just care for him all of his life like this. And yet uh, his parents did not see him that way, a good, good godly Christian parents. And, um, and Robert decided to give his life to Christ and just see what God could do with his life. So cerebral palsy, um, while it keeps him from so many other things, from driving a car, riding a bike, going for a walk, did not keep him from graduating high school, did not keep him from graduating from Abilene Christian University, did not keep him from going on five mission trips, and it did not keep him from moving to Portugal in 1972 as a full-time missionary by himself. He's able to have some other missionaries down there to help him, help him find a place to live. He ended up living with someone for a while, but by himself for a while. Uh, had to arrange for a way to get, he didn't know the language, so he enrolled in language school. And so before he even learned the language, um, he would get his wheelchair, uh, park it in a park, and hand out brochures. And that's how he started being a missionary. Went to language school, uh, worked on all that. And so uh, through all that time, uh, he ended up leading 190 people to Jesus. Started countless churches. Was there for 21 years. Met his wife there. Has a daughter named Minnie. And uh, God did all these incredible things with this guy, cerebral palsy. Even when he had to first start going to church by himself, church started at like 10 o'clock. He had to get up like at 5 o'clock in the morning because it takes him so much longer to get dressed. By that time, he could dress himself because of the Velcro. Um, find somebody to help feed him, find somebody to get him to the bus stop, ride the bus, wheel his, his bus stop was a mile from his church. So it's a mile in a wheelchair. And Robert's testimony, the people that say they listen to him, one person said this, I watched other men carry him in his wheelchair up on the platform. I watched him lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers for, force open the pages. And I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bent hand up in the air and said, I have everything I need for joy. That's thinking differently. That's a reboot, amen? That's, a, that's looking at it from a biblical perspective, really looking at it from a God-centered perspective. That's what I want us to talk about today is how do we look at life from God's perspective? perspective, letting God transform our minds. You see, a reboot doesn't happen without a choice. We have to choose to say, Lord, I want my mind renewed. I want my mind changed. And here, Romans chapter 12, what's happened is the very first verse in Romans 12, 1 says, therefore. Now, 
that is a big break in the book of Romans. What's happened in the book of Romans, verses, uh, chapters 1 through 3, Paul's writing, everybody's sinful. You get that in Romans 3, 3 uh, 23, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And so he makes that point. The Jews are, the Gentiles are, everybody is sinful, everybody's broken, everybody's guilty before God. And then from the end of 3 on into the, about the end of 6, he talks about that we're justified by grace. That Christ did for us what we could not do on our own. And then 7 and 8 talks about the Holy Spirit comes in when we're saved, gives us the power to live the Christian life. But verses 9, chapters 9 through 11 talks about the place of Israel. So he's been working on theology. This is how you're right with God. This is how you live with and for God. And then when he gets to Romans 12, he says, therefore, and it's a break. He's, now, this is theology. This is doctrine. This is what you need to believe because if you believe this, you can do this. This is how it lives out. This is how it works out in our lives. Look at verse 2, their New Living Translation, which I think is an incredible way he says it here in this translation. Look at what he says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then what? After when, as God transforms the way you think, as that happens, you'll learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, we don't want to copy what other people are doing. So many times we, uh, people of the world, look at somebody that's famous or, or, you know, have a lot of big following on social media or maybe they've got a lot of talent or something like that and they want to be like them. But, man, if you knew the inner turmoil that a lot of those people have, if you knew the search for love, somebody to love them for who they are and not just for what they can do, if you knew the, 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 the apprehensiveness they have or people really, do they really like me or just like what I can do for them, the, a sense of not belonging anywhere, a desire to be loved for who I am. I mean, if you knew all the, the addictions, the, the inner turmoil these, a lot of folks have that you look at, they look happy, you would think, I don't believe I want to trade with them after all. Don't copy the world. Don't think that your identity and your worth is tied up in your talent or your money or your social class or your race or something like that. It's tied up in who you are in Christ, what Rhonda and, uh, and, and, and uh, Caroline saying just a minute ago for us. So, so we want to be transformed into who God made us to be, right? Who God made us to be. And transformation will be a reboot, right? Transformed by our thinking. You got to think differently. We're going to talk about how to do that this morning. We need God to train our brain. Amen? Everybody say, me too. Yeah, we need God to train our brain. So I'm going to talk about two big ideas, three ideas under two big ideas, all right? Number one, let's look at Three reasons you have to begin, if you don't have a reboot of your mind, three reasons you have to begin with changing your mindset. Got to change your mindset, how you view the world, how you view God, how you view problems, how you think about your life and your place in this world. So you have to begin with changing your mindset. Let me give you three ways, three reasons to do that. Number one, your thoughts direct your life. Your thoughts direct your life. Your moods, your attitudes how you talk, how you treat people, how your family goes, how your relationship with your children or your parents go, how your relationship with your school goes. All of this has to do with what happens in between your ears. It starts 
in your mind. That's why he says you got you to let God change your mind. Why? Your thoughts direct your life. Look at Proverbs 4.23, today's English version says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So think about Robert Reed. I gave his testimony a minute ago. Think about how he thought about life. He could have thought, I'm an invalid. He could have thought, I can't do much. When he was in junior high, his dad, who was his hero, his dad carried him everywhere. His dad was his rock, you know. When he was in junior high, Robert's dad passed away. So how do you think about that? He could have thought, what did I do to deserve this? I'm born with cerebral palsy. Now my dad's died. Um, nobody to take care of me. What in the world? I mean, his mom was there, but still. I mean, there's all, you could just, I mean, you and I could come up with so many negative, unhelpful thoughts. Robert's thought was he was going to a, um, a school for kids with cerebral palsy at that point. His thought was, I need to get into regular school where I can get a job and provide for myself when I get, when I get ready to graduate. And, he th- and so he went, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him in. He had to, it took a while for him to, to let him in because he can't write. His hands, are, his hands won't hold a pencil, so he can't write. And so he had to find a school that was willing to work with him. But he said, God has a plan for my life, and this doesn't stop it. It's hurtful, it's hard, it's difficult, but this does not stop what God created me to be. If he doesn't think about this rightly, what happens? He never becomes a missionary, never meets his wife in Portugal, never has a child like that because he just will shrivel into himself and we can all shrivel in to ourselves. We think about things from a selfish, human-centered standpoint instead of thinking about what is God doing in me. Second thing, our struggles happen in our minds. Our struggles happen in our mind. That's where we have a hard time because it's with our minds that we have to choose easy, hard, right? Right, wrong, healthy, unhealthy, loving, selfish, godly, ungodly, my way today, God's way today. All that starts happening, what? In your mind. Your relationship struggles happen in your minds. When you start thinking, I don't think they're carrying their heart. They're part of this friendship. I don't think they're carrying their weight in this marriage. I, I wish they would do more. They, they have so many flaws. And you start focusing on that instead of saying, man, God, I thank you so much. This person is my friend. I thank you so much, God, you brought this spouse into my life. I thank you so much, God, for the children you brought into, into our lives. You see, your thoughts are going to dictate your relationship. And many of your struggles happen in your mind. Look at James 4.1, New Living Translation. What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war in you, you see that? Inside of you, in your mind, that's where the, the selfishness and the jealousy and the heartache and all that stuff come from. We got to learn to let God transform the way we think. Look at Romans 7, and 23, New Living Translation. Paul gets really honest about it right here. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Notice the words in that verse, war, fight, mind, slave. What's he saying? There is an intense battle going on up here. You think you're the only one, but you're not. Everybody in here this week has battled with thoughts in their mind, letting God transform, asking God, maybe sometimes just the simplest thing is just to ask God, how do you see this? How do you want me to think about this? And so your struggles, many of our struggles happen in our mind. And the third thing, a third choice, 
is this is where God's uh, spirit works in us. This is where God's spirit works in me. The third reason why we need to make choice to let God transform our mind. God works in and through our mind. If we're going to have a reboot of our life, have a fresh sense of the Holy Spirit, a fresh sense of purpose in life, a fresh joy in life, a fresh peace in life, the Holy Spirit's going to work that through, first of all, how you think and how I think about my life. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 23 and 24 in the uh, century English, uh, the contemporary English version. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God, and so you must please Him and truly be holy. You see, we can't control every thought that comes into our mind, but we can say, Lord, what do I do with this thought? Lord, what's a better thought I can have? What's a, what's a different way of looking at it? Lord, how to, and offer it to the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit can speak. We know that Satan can make suggestions. We know Satan can, can tempt us. And when Satan suggests something in your mind, that's called temptation. When God suggests something, that's called revelation or inspiration. He's revealing his will, his purpose, his way of looking at the world, his way of looking at yourself, his way of looking at life, and that's where the reboot has to happen. So that's the first thing. Second thing I want you to see today are three choices from God's Word, three choices from God's Word we need to make every day. First of all, three reasons. Secondly, three choices, and this is where I really want us to dig in at and look at three choices each one of us need to make. Number one, every day I must choose to feed my mind with the best thoughts. Now, remember what we said in Romans 12 too. Let God transform your mind by changing the way you think. So we have to choose. We have to participate in this. We have to choose to feed our mind with the best thoughts because that's going to determine the life you live. Think about it this way. You have a house and you want to decorate your house or you're going to clean your house, whatever you live in this house. The amount of enjoyment in that house depends on what you put in it. Or who you put in it, <laughs> even more important, right? If your house is full of mold, garbage, 15 cats that hadn't had a bath in the last six years, you, that's not going to be pleasant. Doesn't matter how hard you work at it, that's not. But if your house is clean and you have loving people inside there and you have things that you enjoy and maybe you have one cat or one dog that you really like and uh, they hang around with you it depends on what you put in it the structure itself doesn't dictate how you live the fact that you have a brain doesn't dictate it's what you choose to put in it how you cooperate with the holy spirit by letting god transform your brain look at philippians 4 8 the new living translation paul says now dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix that's your choice fix choose now when things go awry you got to come back to this and fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise Here's your weekly growth suggestion. I want to encourage you. What will you do to feed your mind with God's thoughts? How does God, how does God want to change your thought life? And each one of us has to look at that for ourselves. Where does my thought life need changing? Let me ask you this. If you read five minutes of the Bible a day and four hours of ungodly, I'm not saying everything's ungodly, but ungodly screen time, whether it's TV, phone, tablet, computer, whatever, how's that going to play out in your mind? 
You listen to a 30-minute sermon uh, in a week, and then you listen to four hours of cable TV news a day. How's that going to work in your mind? You, you have to, it's, and, and you, we feel like we have to, but you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. You can limit the unhealthy stuff that goes into your mind, and you can increase the healthy things that go into your mind. We have to, have to choose maybe to do something like turn the radio off on the way to work and just pray out loud on the way to work. Maybe turn the radio station and put a Christian CD in. Maybe listen to a helpful podcast somewhere or another. Maybe uh, finding a Christian book to read in addition to reading your Bible. Maybe memorizing Psalm 5110 like I encouraged you to do last week, right, from the message translation. God, make a change in my life. Create a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. God, God, make a fresh start in me. That's what it says. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. I've been, and you say, it's hard for me to memorize. That's fine. That means you just got to keep going over and over and over. It would keep putting it into your mind, into your mind, into your mind. And I've been praying that all week. Lord, I do want a fresh start. And I do want a Genesis week where God said, what, everything's, this is good, this is good, this is good. Out of the chaos of our lives. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we feed our minds not on what makes me comfortable, what makes me happy, or like sometimes I do, you play out the what ifs. What if that happens? What if I get that phone call? What if that turns out? Or how comes? And instead of playing those things, start thinking about what does God want to do with me? Can I trust God in this situation? Is God reliable in this situation? Maybe you start watching something like The Chosen or something and, and try to really think about what a relationship with God really looks like. What an everyday, moment-by-moment relationship with God with all of its sins and victory. What does that really, really look like? When Robert Reed was little, one of his uncles told him, didn't think he could go to school, didn't think he'd ever do anything. And he told him, he said, Robert, there's a man in town with a withered hand, and he has a tin cup. And he sits out on the corner, and people give him money, suggested that maybe that was what Robert should do with his life. And Robert said, I don't think that's what God wants me to do, but if I do it, I'm getting me a tin bathtub. <laughs> Amen? Second thing, I must choose to free my mind from destructive thoughts. So I feed on the best thoughts, on God's thoughts, on what God wants me to think about. And I make a choice through Bible, books, listening, conversations, in your conversations. Ask somebody, what's the most meaningful thing that happened at church today? What's the most meaningful thing from your quiet time in the last week or two? Learn to think on these things. Then free them from destructive thoughts. Romans 8, 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Just Good illustration. You got somebody that annoys you. I know none of y'all have those kind of people in your life, right? Uh, if you don't, you're the annoyer, <laughs> right? There are people that give ulcers and people that get ulcers, right? And so think about that person. It's, it's hard to get along with. Their personality rubs you the wrong way, all that kind of stuff. Here's the thing. You can choose to think about that by the sinful nature, and I wish they would do better, and how come they're so braggadocious, and how come they're so high on themselves, and how come they're so hard to get along with. And You can think about it that way, and you've got to live with those thoughts that you're putting in your mind, or you can think about it from a state of prayer or touch their life. You can think about it from a state of 
Lord, can I share? Is there some way I can share your love? Is there some way I can share your love with them? <laughs> Our basketball team plays a particular team. I've been playing on for years. And, and their coach is one of the most unhappy people I've ever seen when he's on the court. And perhaps the joy of the Lord is his strength at home, but it is not on the basketball court, okay? It just is not. And uh, I've seen him winning games by 30 points, and he looked like he could bite the head off a snake. I mean, just looks... I mean, I'm, and I told, I told Laura this week, I said, I want to go put my arm around him and say, Jesus loves you. <laughs> it is okay. You're forgiven and loved and accepted. You can relax, okay? F- don't let your mind be dominated by the sinful nature, but control what, what, what will please, I mean, here's the way you can ask the question. What will please God right here? You know, sometimes these, we get these thoughts and they end up being what the Bible calls a stronghold. Look in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. For, we, how we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The corn dogs really don't help a whole lot, right? Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish strong arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? That means when we realize that we're got in a set way of thinking, it's become a stronghold. By the way, a stronghold is a lie that we believe. It's pretty much what a stronghold is. It's a lie that we believe. I can't be any different. I can't do this. can't do that. Can't, you know, this is not for me. Whatever. If it's God's will, trust him. Trust him. Step out in faith. Step out and walk in obedience. And so, and so he says we, we, we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we realize we're going the wrong way, we get on our face before God, and we don't grit our teeth. We don't say, I'm going to redouble down on my efforts. We say, Lord, this, this is a wrong way of thinking. I recognize it. And, Lord, I want to bring this thought. I want to see how, how do you think about it. And, Lord, I ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to demolish his stronghold in my life to demolish the stronghold in my life and use the spiritual weapons. I read where one young couple, they were engaged to be married and they, they were Christians. They wanted to wait, you know, for the marriage bed, want to stay pure to your marriage, but the temptation was getting strong. And they, they got two older couples on speed dial on their phones who agreed to say, anytime the temptation gets hard, call us and we'll come to you. Or you can come, one of y'all come to our house. I heard about somebody else that was having trouble uh, drinking. They were an alcoholic. Max Licato told this one. He said the guy was an alcoholic. He was getting serious about it. He was having trouble stopping. And so he gave Max and three other people the permission. Now, he gave it. Max didn't come up with it. He gave them permission. If you see me drinking, punch me in the nose. Sometimes you've got to take drastic measures, right? I mean, is it worth being holy for? One traveling salesman asked the TV be removed, to remove the TV from his room, turn the power off to the TV in his room. He didn't want to be tempted. One guy who had trouble uh, loving people that were of a different race, moved, he moved into an ethnically diverse neighborhood, forced him to get out of his comfort zone and go a different direction. How do you make your mind mind you? That's what I'm talking about, letting God retrain your brain. Last of all, I must choose to focus my mind on the right things. Choose to focus my mind. It's a choice, once again, to feed my mind, to, be, to free my mind, and then to focus my mind on the right things. And I'm going to give you three things to focus your mind on this morning, three things that you can think about, encourage you, write them down, whatever you can do to help you think about things. Number one, and these are going to be kind of the duh questions, but here we go. Think about Jesus. 
And you say, well, I know I'm supposed to think about Jesus. But let me ask you something. When we sang the songs this morning, were you thinking about Jesus? We sang victory in Jesus. Were you thinking, thank you, Lord, for the victory in you? We sang about, you know, we'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know that there's victory in him. Uh, did you think about, Lord, thank you that I really will see the lights of glory one day because of what you've done for me. We sing about in Christ alone. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. Isn't that good? Are you thinking? Are you engaged with that? As you drive down the road, are you thinking about Christ? How much greater he is than anything else you have? How much wiser? See, when people tempt you, peer pressure gets good on gets kind of hard on you. Think about what does Jesus think and how can I please him here in the midst of this? Secondly, think about others. This might transform your life. Think about others. Robert Reed's... Uh, First mission trip he went on, he heard about this mission trip, and he went to the guy that was leading the mission trip, and he said, uh, can I go on the mission trip? And the guy said, sure, you can go. He said, now, I can't dress myself or feed myself. And, you know, I can't do those kind of things. And the guy looked at him for a minute, hesitated just for a second, and he said, you'll be going with Christian brothers and sisters. We'll do that for you. He said, go home, raise your support. He's like, what? So everybody has to raise their support. He thought, well, I've never done that before. He said, God wants you to go. You'll do it. God will do it for you. And so he did. He went and raised his support, got it in literally 10 minutes before deadline. <laughs> and they gave him a roommate. Listen, guys, this roommate, every morning, got him up, cleaned him up, shaved him. I would let him grow a beard. <laughs> I mean, I'm all in on the, uh, on the helping him. Uh, but this was before the Velcro thing. Dressed him, brushed his teeth, shaved him, getting him ready for the day. If he doesn't go on that first mission trip, does he ever become a missionary for 21 years? Somebody thinking about others, thinking about somebody other than himself. When, I, when I'm challenged to do something a little bit hard, a one-word testimony, sharing my faith, forgiving somebody, I tend to think about what? How this affects me. This is hard for me. This is uncomfortable for me. This is difficult for me. But I need to think about, does this help somebody else get closer to Jesus? And last of all, think about eternity. Think about eternity. One day, all of us are going to live. I mean, we're all going to live forever. And one day, Jesus is either going to come back or you're going to die and go, be with, and, and go, to, go into eternity. And the decision we make about Christ in this day and time determines where we live when we leave here. The decision we make about Christ. And the decision your friends and your family and the people that annoy you, people that irritate you. Sounds like somebody's been annoying me. I keep brought that up several times, hadn't I? I hope that's not a Freudian slip. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, people that irritate you, people that, that are just immoral, you know, just mean. They're going to spend eternity somewhere as well. And when we think about life, when we reboot our brain, when we let God reboot our brains, we'll be thinking about something other than what's fun, what's pleasurable, what's easy. And we'll be thinking about how. How does God want to use me to serve somebody else in a way that eternity is different? Amen. Would you stand please with him?